0: 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4. And we're doing a series here at Red Hills. For those of you who are visiting with us on stewardship. On managing our lives. And on the importance of being a good steward. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4. Let's bow and ask the Lord to bless the reading of His Word. And to bless our brief time together. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Truly, Lord, you are an awesome God. We thank you for how you have blessed us with so much. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word and the scriptures, and Lord, how in the word of God we have truly, Lord, your words. And they speak. They speak uh, to us from you. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time together. I pray that there would be little distraction, Lord, from what you have for us today. We are especially excited, Lord, for those who are following you, Lord, in obedience. Those who are not ashamed to say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, Lord, for those who have made that, that commitment. Lord, to follow you through baptism. And Lord, we thank you for those uh, who took of their time to come. Some traveled hours to be here. And Lord, we pray a special blessing on them as well. Thank you for their love and their support of their loved ones. And to support them in this amazing decision that they've made, Lord, today. So Lord, we pray your blessing on all that's said and done. Bless the children as they're in. Down in children's church, we pray you bless them and watch over them, and Lord help them to to listen, Lord, to the Word. May it change, Lord, our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. First Corinthians four one through four. Notice what Paul says. This is kind of our theme passage. Paul says this. This is how one should regard us. Notice what Saint Paul said. He said one should regard us as. Servants of Christ, not only as servants, but also as stewards. We're all called to be servants of Christ, but we're all called to be stewards. Notice he says, of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any other human court. I find it interesting. Paul says, you are not my judge. He also says, I'm not your judge, but what he does say is interesting. He says, in fact, I, I don't even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself. He says, as far as I know, I'm doing what I should be doing, and I'm doing the best that I can. He says, but, I am, but I'm not thereby acquitted. Notice what he says, it is the Lord who judges me. You'll find all throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, this word steward is used quite a bit. You'll find in the book of Peter mentions it, Corinthians and Colossians also says that we are all stewards of the mysteries of God. But he also says in in essence that our everyday life we are to be stewarding it well. What does it mean to be a steward? The definition that we could use uh, could be this, an administrator, overseer. Um, but I like the the word manager, okay? Uh, The word steward is is similar to a manager, meaning this, is that that God has entrusted things to us for us to manage, but they are not ours. All right? And so as we review the principles of stewardship and be be ready, we're going to cover a lot of scripture here in a moment, but I want to remind you that there are three main principles. Number one, The first principle is this, is that God owns everything. Do you remember that? It's not mine, it's His. Right, it's not mine, it's His. That is the overarching foundational principle of stewardship, is that it's not mine that God owns it. Our our bodies, we're going to see here in a moment, are not ours, they're His. Uh, The Bible says that He owns the silver, He owns the wealth. It's all His. The Bible makes it very clear, He created all things. And so understand that it is not mine that it is His. Scripture is very clear on that. And so it's much easier for us when it comes to stewardship, is to realize, and it's not mine in the first place. And so we ask ourselves this question, "Whose is it? And most of the time we have this idea that it's mine. It's my life, it's my time. It's my my money, fill in the blank. But it is not mine, it's his. The second principle we said was this, is that we must remember that things should never be preeminent. That stuff should not take the preeminence in our life. And that is that Jesus Christ should be first and foremost. You see, we can take nothing with us, Even Job said this. He said, I came into this world. He says, naked I came into this world. And what does he say? Naked I will leave it. You've ne- we, we don't see a U-Haul, all right, or a Penske following a hearse, okay? <laughs> you can't take it with you. The Pharaohs thought that they could take it with them. And then other people came and took it. And now it's sitting in museums all around the world, right? You can't take it with you. Yet many a times we live our lives consumed by things. And Jesus in his teaching warned of greed. And he says that that, that life is not the substance of things that we can gain. But he said, listen, don't lay up for yourself treasure here on earth. What did he say? Lay up for yourselves what? Treasures in heaven. You can't take anything with you. And then the third principle, and this is what we've been spending most of our time and will continue to spend our time on, is this. Is to remember the importance of the proper use of what God has entrusted to us. You see, God has entrusted many things to us. And as Paul said there in Corinthians, he says that someday we will stand before the Lord. The idea is this, the Bible says that we will give an account. That there are, He says that we will someday stand before the Lord and as we continue in this series next week and the week after, we're going to look at teachings of Jesus and how Jesus used parables and he said that, 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 that there was a master who, who distributed his wealth and distributed, if you will, gifts, talents, abilities to his servants and he left, but he said when he came back, That there was a day of reckoning. That they were to give an account of how they used what God blessed them with. You see, understand that we will all give an account. We will give an account of the things that God has entrusted to us. Last week we spent a little bit of teaching on this subject of time. The most precious thing that you and I have is time. All the money in the world cannot buy you more time. How are we using our time? Are we using our time wisely? Are we investing it wisely? The scripture says in Ephesians, Paul says redeeming the time. The idea is to buy it back, to do everything that you can. And so we spent some time last week on on challenging us in the area of our time. Are we using our time wisely? So many of us waste the God-given time that he has given us. Again, I want to remind you, followers of Jesus Christ, time is a precious thing and do not waste it. Live life to the fullest. Use every second, every moment, and every minute of it because you do not know how much time you have left. There's no guarantee that you will see tomorrow. James says this, don't say, well, on this day or tomorrow or the next day, we're gonna go and do these things. He says, you don't even know. He says, your life is but a mist, it's but a vapor. And may I remind all of us that our lives are so fragile, that life is so precious and life is short and live every moment to the fullest. And God's people said, do not waste it. Do not squander it. People oftentimes say to me, and people who get to know me better say, when, do you, when are you not doing something? I don't know. But can I tell you this? When, I get to, when I'm with the Lord, that's when I can chill and take a break. <laughs> but I'm just going to tell you straight up, I'm going to go pedal to the metal, full bore. I don't want to waste any time here on this earth because time here on earth is short. But I want to lay up some treasures up there, amen? And if you want to lay up treasures of heaven, that means you got to do what Jesus said, and that is get the work here on earth. What's another thing that God has blessed us with? What are some things that God has blessed us with? We know that time is the most precious thing that God has given us. Here's another, I believe, area that we should be stewarding well. And you're going to have to listen fast because i got to speak fast. But that is this, our temples. Our temples. Our bodies. Are we stewarding our bodies well? Does the Bible speak of this throughout Scripture? I would propose to you that the Bible says quite a bit about this area of stewardship of of our bodies. Notice, first and foremost, I want you to understand that our bodies are not ours, they're His. That our bodies are another precious gift from God. Look with me at a number of scriptures. I'm going to move quickly. Genesis 127, notice what the Bible says. So God created man in His own image. We're made in the image of God. In the image of God, he created him male and female, and he created, and he created them. That's a whole other sermon right there, and let me tell you, male and female, that was it. Are you with me? Right there, that's it. That's what the Bible says. Take it for what it says. That's a whole other sermon. But God created us in his image. You are special. You are image bearers of God. Genesis 1, 31, the Bible says in the same chapter, and God saw everything that he made. And notice this, and behold, I love this. He said, it was very good. Can you say those words with me? Very good. It was very good. God does not make mistakes, amen? God does not make mistakes. And he says, behold, it was very good. You see, God created us. He spoke everything else into existence, but in Genesis, the Bible says that he literally knelt down and he took the dust of the ground and he formed us and he created us in his image and after his likeness. And he breathed into us, the Bible says, the breath of life, and you became a living soul. You are created in the image of God. In Psalms 100, in verse 3, the psalmist David says this now that now know that he is the Lord. Know that, that the Lord He is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Don't you, don't you see that? It says that He created us. And we did not create ourselves. It is He who made us. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. For you were formed in the inward parts. How many expecting moms here today that are out there? Raise your hands real high. Raise them real high. Make sure you're praying for these moms. By the way, congratulations. There's a number. I know there's at least three or four out there. Look what it says. You were formed in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You were knitted together, your mother's womb. By the way, the sanctity of life is a very, very precious thing, a very important thing. And let me just tell you Red Hills always stands for the, for, for the innocent child that is being formed. In the womb. They are being formed in the image of God and they are alive and they are life. And listen to me, they are precious in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. Amen. He says, You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Our bodies are amazing things. Listen to this. This is just a little bit about our bodies. They're amazing creation. Your nose has the capability of remembering 50,000 different scents. Your taste buds are replaced every 10 days. You ready to be grossed out? <laughs> Your body sheds about 600,000 particles of skin every hour. So from, by the time we're done, you leave, 600,000 particles of skin are left on those chairs. Now I know why some people always sit in the same seat. I get it now. My daughter and I went and vacuumed out the car yesterday, and there was all this little white stuff. After reading this, I realized, what that white stuff, that's not dust. I said, get every inch of it. We are 600,000 particles of skin every hour. There are 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the adult human body. Our ears and nose never stop growing. While awake, the human brain produces enough electricity to power a light bulb. Human bones, listen to this, are ounce for ounce, stronger than steel. Though they are ...composed of 30% water. The human eye can distinguish about 10 million different colors. If uncoiled, the DNA in all the cells in your body would stretch 10 billion miles. And someone says that there is no God. Are you serious? your brain uses 20% of the total oxygen and blood in your body. In a lifetime, your brain's long-term memory can hold as many as one quadrillion separate bits of, of information. I can't remember what I needed to get at the grocery store. Your heart will pump, listen to this, your heart will pump nearly 1.5 million barrels of blood during your lifetime. Enough, that's enough to fill 200 tank cars. When you take one step, you're using up to 200 muscles. And the older you get, you feel every single one of them, right? <laughs> there are 650 named skeletal uh, skeletal muscles in the human body. There's 650 names, but they think that there's upwards of over 800 in the body. Your body is an amazing organism. It was made by and belongs to God. Therefore, take good care of it and use it for God's purposes. Amen? You're fearfully, wonderfully made. Made in the image of God. The Bible tells us this in Corinthians. It says even more about our bodies. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, he's speaking of the body. If you intention, he says, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Our bodies are the temple of the very spirit of the living God. And he dwells within us. And the Bible says that our bodies are to be holy. It says that they are sacred. Look at what Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 6. He says flee or run from sexual immorality. Run from it. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? He says, and you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Understand, that, again, the scripture tells us that our bodies are the temple of the living God. That Holy Spirit dwells and lives within us. And that our bodies are are sacred, that our bodies are to be holy, and that our bodies, yes, should be set apart for the purpose of, 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 of glorifying God. Our bodies are not just to be used to gratify our own pleasures. In fact, the Bible is very graphic there and tells us that, listen, what you do with your body, you are including the Spirit of God when you do it. And that's why Paul clearly says that our bodies are not just to be there just to fulfill our own gratifications. Somebody say amen there. Well, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. Well, it's my body, my choice. No, it's the greatest lie from the enemy. It is not your body, but it is your choice. You are right. But you will give an account of what we do With our bodies. Notice Romans. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6:16 says this: What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Again, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, listen to what he said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Understand this. This is a beautiful thing, that the Spirit of God dwells within us. You do not have to come to this church or to this building to be in the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to go to a temple or a synagogue or a mosque or a church to be in the presence of God. No, no. The Bible makes it clear. In the Old Testament days, in the days of David and Solomon, that they would go to the temple and there was what was called the Holy of Holies. And obviously the priest would go and minister within the veil in the Holy of Holies. And that is where the presence of God dwelt. But notice what Jesus said is the Comforter is coming. The Holy Spirit has come. And he tells us this. He says, when that spirit comes, he will dwell in you and he will be with you. And Paul just said there that he dwells within us. That we don't have to go to a mosque or go to church. I'm glad you came to church. Amen. But you don't have to do that to be in the presence of God. The spirit of God dwells within us. Our bodies. Paul says we have within these earthen vessels. He literally says within these jars of clay. Paul says we have the treasure of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Romans 12.1. He says this. He says I appeal to you therefore brothers. He says family of God. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice this holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our bodies are sacred. Our bodies are to be pure. Our bodies are to be holy. And we have to understand that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. In everything that we do with our bodies, we are including the Spirit of God with us. Does this make sense? I don't know about you, but that's kind of pretty sobering, isn't it? But he says, every time you, you live for God and you're pleasing God, he says, this with your bodies, he says, this is your act of worship. This is your spiritual worship. We should be stewarding our bodies, meaning this, that we should be managing our bodies well, that we should take care of our bodies, that we should not abuse them, that we should not neglect them. For truly, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I would say that most of us probably try to take care most of us take care of our vehicles or cars. We even change the oil every so often. We'll take it in to be serviced. We take care of, hopefully we take care of our homes. Hopefully we take care of our properties. But may I remind you of something, we should be also stewarding our bodies And caring for our bodies, not abusing them and not neglecting them. Let me just give you a few other passages. Here's some practical things about stewarding our bodies. 1 Timothy 4.8. It says this, For while bodily training is of some value, he says, Godliness is of value in every way as as it holds promise for the present life and also for life to come. The idea is Paul is very balanced here. He says, Bodily exercise does have some value. There's value to it. I remember back when I was in Bible college, they actually, kind of in seminary things, they actually almost discouraged working out and taking care of your body. And I'm not trying to be mean here, but the guys who were saying it, they were like 40, but they looked like they were 80, you know? And they would use this verse, and they said, See, see, you should be more concerned about godliness than than." physical training they didn't even like that we would go to a gym they didn't like that we wanted to be when I was in college they didn't like that we wanted to go to a gym they had everything backwards and they said you know that's just vanity no listen to me can I tell you something you should take care of your body and Paul says here to Timothy he says there is some value in bodily exercise now think about this for a moment I remember that verse, people getting up and criticizing and saying, see, there's really, there's little value in it. But can I remind you of something? The days that Paul wrote that scripture, just everyday life was a workout. Just to go get a drink of water, you may have to walk a mile or two, lower a bucket, pull it out and carry it on your head, women. Or on your shoulders and walk a mile back just to have water for a few hours. Are you with me? In order to cook, they didn't put it. They didn't grab a TV dinner out of the freezer and throw it to the microwave and push two minutes. In order to cook, they had to chop wood. Are you guys guys tracking with me this morning? They had to chop. They had to go get the wood. They had to chop the wood or whatever it is that they're going to use, and then they had to create the fire. Then they had, it was an unbelievable amount of work just to sustain life. And then Paul says beyond it, hey, getting some exercise still has some value. Are you with me? Now, in our culture, how, does, how do we interpret this for today's living? Let's just be honest. In America, we are really lazy. I mean, we have a remote. We can't even get up and turn the channel. When I was a kid, I was the remote. Remember we had the little click, 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 click? We had like channel 8, 13, like whatever these numbers were, 17. I can kind of still remember them. And my dad would be sitting there and he'd say, hey, Joe, get up and turn it to 13. i get up, click, 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 13, sit back down. Commercial call goes, hey, Joe, go turn it to 17. I'd run up, click, 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 turn it to 17. But in our culture, listen to me, even just food. I mean, we don't even make food anymore. We just go through the drive-thru. And so understand, think about the culture. Think about the context of what Paul was saying. And so if people who were active, Jesus walked everywhere he went. Do you understand? They walked. They, they didn't get in automobiles and sit there. Are you with me? You know? Everywhere they went, they had to walk. When they wanted bread, they walked down to the store. They had bought bread. And then they would walk home. And when they needed, you know, water, they had to walk to get the water. Now we have everything right at our disposal. Can I just say this? That really, most of us in America, we get very little activity. And it is not good for us. Somebody, somebody shout amen right there. So for Paul to say that exercise has value, how much more so in our culture and in our society is it important to steward our bodies well? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9:27 that that he, he disciplines his body. He says, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. As you see the teachings in the letters of Paul, he says he does, his body does not control him. He controls his body and our bodies are sacred. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he disciplines his body. Paul says it's wise. He says that there is value in, in moving and value in exercise, that there is some value in it. I believe these are ways that we can steward our bodies well. Look at Proverbs 12, 25. I'm just trying to give you a few practical thoughts this morning. He says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We live in a stressed out society, don't we? Stress will rob us of our health. Stress and anxiety, we all struggle with it, which is oftentimes the opposite of faith, right? Right? in believing and trusting God. But faith, faith is important in the life of a believer because I believe faith is one of the greatest tools that we have to overcome stress and anxiety, which we all struggle with. Are are you with me this morning? But the Bible says that this anxiety, that stress, is a weight that we carry on our bodies. It will affect your blood pressure. It will affect your health tremendously. Look at Proverbs 16, 24. He says, gracious words. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness. Notice this sweetness to the soul. Can you say the next words with me? And what? Health to the body. I'm going mean, to get so practical here. You guys ready for this? Can you hang on just for a minute or two? One way you can steward your bodies is by being very careful who you're listening to and what you listen to. I'll even go one step farther than that is this. Get toxic people out of your life. If you have people who are belittling you and tearing you down and and speaking horrible things to you, and what's really sad is sometimes you don't have a choice. Some young people, I hate to say it, but sometimes you're growing up in it. It's in your home. and you have, But when, when you are out on your own, surround yourself with people who are going to love you and care about you and speak power in your life and not tearing you down. But it is amazing to me. It is amazing to me that sometimes people are in relationships and I don't know where, you pe- where people are at. There's a lot here. And I don't know where everybody's at in their life. But even young people get into dating relationships. And it's really sad. A lot of times it's, it's young ladies. And they'll get into a relationship and they have this man in their life. And that person is downright evil. They'll speak evil. They'll, they'll tear them apart and tear them down. And they'll say horrible things. They'll say things like, "You know, you're not attractive, or you're not beautiful, or all whatever. You you look fat." Fill in the blank. And can I tell you something? That is destroying your health and is robbing you of joy. And you need to get that out of your life. And out of your social, media. <laughs> social media. No, that is so true. How many young people? end up going and taking their own life because of things that people have posted about them and said about them. So you understand, you have to protect your body. Your body is the temple of of the living God. Your body is sacred. And sometimes we don't realize that that also includes the things that people are saying to us. Because listen, if we listen to those things, it will begin to rob you of your health. And after today, there'll be like five breakups, you know? <laughs> Listen to Proverbs 18.1. I said this is practical. Listen to this. Proverbs, whoever, that wasn't the one I wanted. That was my bad. I gave you the wrong verse, I think. But there's one in um, Proverbs 18, maybe 17. But it says this. I'm, I'm, it talks about that there's... The, the, in the tongue is the power of life and death. How many of you kind of remember that verse? I think it's in Proverbs 18, maybe 17. But it says this, that there's, there's power. There's power in the, in the tongue. The spoken word is a very powerful thing. It can speak life to someone or it can speak death. And so understand that one of the ways that you can steward, you might say, this how did we get here, Pastor Joe? Uh, we got here because of this. Is that one of the ways that you can steward your, your bodies, your temples, is, is, is this. Is to be careful what you allow into your life and the things that are spoken to you. Can I say this? You, have, you should be allowed to have boundaries. Amen? Amen? Boundaries are a good thing. And you know what's really sad? This stuff isn't taught in a lot of churches. Am I Right? A lot of times we don't cover this stuff. We don't talk about this stuff. But you understand, you have a right to have boundaries. Can I say this? I'm going to really step on toes. But in your marriage, you have a right to have some boundaries. Hey, ladies, you have a right to say some boundaries and say, you know what? You can speak life into me, but you're not going to speak death into me. You're not going to tear me down and and degrade me and treat me that way. And that goes for for you, uh, that goes for women and for men. Amen? It's for all of us. And as parents, we have to be careful that we're not tearing our children apart and picking them apart and and tearing them down. Because I'm going to tell you something. It robs them of their childhood. It robs them of their joy. It robs them of life itself. And it sucks the life out of them. And I'm going to tell you, it is the social media and the stuff that we're dealing with nowadays. it It is difficult for a child to grow up in the world that we're living in today. Somebody, please bear witness. Amen. It is tough. It is a struggle. It's difficult, and immediately within seconds. And by the way, the girls are the roughest. Ooh, man! I mean, it's it's gotten worse. For, but guys, like you get in a little fight, a little altercation. Sometimes you'll even throw some blows. I love it. Think it's great. Think it's healthy. I'm not promoting violence. I just think sometimes some of us have to end it, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm not promoting violence, <laughs> but what I'm saying is half an hour later they're having a burger together. Oh no, with these girls, man, they're all over social media, they're say, say, and it's, it's ruthless and it's hard because there's no way to escape it. It's on their Snapchat, it's on their Instagram. And so they're constantly being bombarded. It's on their phone and they're being texted, And it's constantly hitting them. And so in our relationships, there must be boundaries. Proverbs 17, It says this, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine. It's sad to oftentimes when you're working with young people to be able to see that their spirit is crushed. Even times where you'll see them cutting themselves, crying for help. Because their spirit is crushed. The Bible says that a, Merry heart, a cheerful heart that is medicine to our bodies. Amen. A while back I said a couple of things when we were in our series on Elijah. One of the most spiritual things you can do is get a bite to eat. Remember that one? When you get hangry. Remember the other one? One of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap. Right? You ready for the third? One of the most spiritual things you can do? Just laugh. Just laugh. People that get to know me, they'll find out I have a very twisted, twisted sense of humor. (laughs) The kids at CVI find out a lot about how twisted sense of humor I have. I will find funny things, look for funny things, say funny things, but here's, can I just tell you why? Because life is too hard not to laugh. And laughter, the Bible says laughter and joy is health to the bones. Too many Christians have stinking thinking. (laughs) And stinking thinking is going to rob you of your health. It's going to rob you of your joy. And the Bible says that crushed spirit, it dries up the bones. But a merry heart is like a good medicine. Amen? You say, all this is just so practical stuff. It is, isn't it? God has blessed us with these bodies, amen, with these temples. We should be stewarding them well, managing them well. I was just trying to give you some areas, some things that you should, and many times areas we never even consider, that we never really think about, that we never really look at. These are ways that we can be good stewards of the temples that God has blessed us with, amen? Avoiding Taco Bell may be one of the greatest things you could ever do. To steward your body well. We had a we had practice the other day, and a whole bunch of them came in eating Del Taco, Taco Bell, all this fast food, and they could barely get through practice. I'm like, how can you eat that stuff? And I was, and I was joking with them. I said, I my body is a multi-million dollar machine. And I do not fuel my body. And they said, Coach, what did you have for lunch today? I said, I had a Lara bar. That's what I had for lunch. And they said, Are you kidding me? That's all you had? I'm like, Yup. That's what I had for lunch today. A little Lara bar. Four little ingredients, minus lard and everything else, you know, and MSG and whatever. Else. Here's the thing. I would encourage you to store your bodies well. If you have the ability, stay active. Keep moving. If you have the ability to discipline your body and maybe say a little bit less to that fast food. Come on now. Amen. Maybe a little less sugar. Steward it well. Take care of it. My father says this to me. My dad eats a glazed donut every morning. And he's in great health. And he's in his middle, upper 70s, still works, still goes, still active. But he says this. He says, Joe, you're the healthiest guy I know that's going to get run over by a Mack truck. But I will tell you this: My father loves to laugh. He, if you're around him, he'll be telling jokes. He enjoys life. He stays active. He stays busy. And the idea is this: is that he's living life to the fullest. But he does steward his body pretty well, other than Dunkin' Donuts every single morning. <laughs> well, and Pete's at lunch, by the way. Be careful of allowing that toxicity into your life. Are you with me? His words are powerful. Words are so very powerful. And so I would encourage you to be careful who you surround yourself with because a broken spirit will dry up the bones. And I encourage everyone to list lighten up and learn to laugh, amen? Quit being so dang serious just lighten up a little. I just know some people, some Christians, some followers of Jesus who almost think, they almost had this idea, they almost think that, that to be spiritual is to be so serious and solemn. I'm going to tell you, God has a sense of humor. I can give you a couple of proofs about that, you know. Just look at some of the animals God created, amen? Look at some of the people God created. God has a sense of humor, Amen. But they're all precious to him. They're all precious. They're all image bearers. And listen to me, I believe that Jesus on this this life, people may not believe this, I believe he laughed and joked and had a good time with his disciples. And so one of the most spiritual things you can do is what? Just laugh. You know what? Laugh at yourself, it's okay. I do it all the time, I I laugh at myself. Laugh. Another fine mess you got yourself into, Joe. Good job. And laugh. It's one of the most spiritual things you can do, honestly. It's just, it's good for the heart. It's good for the soul. Why do you think I make you laugh? Amen? Amen. It's so that when you, you know what? It, It brings health. It's good. Life is too hard to not laugh. And so steward your bodies well. Your bodies are a sacred gift from God. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Lord, I pray.